Welcome back, everyone, to R2Cast number 147. It's quite interesting when you look at sort of the podcast we've done, there's some numbers that jump out that I've wanted to try and tie in with something that runs in line with that number. Now, 147, certainly when I think of it, I think of snooker, the highest breaking achieving snooker. So I thought, I wonder if for the All-In series, Ed and I could get someone on that's played snooker, that's been involved in snooker. And I think we've got what's going to be quite an entertaining episode for you. Bethany Welsh that we had on um, back in episode number 141, talking about our time at base camp at Everest, talking about the, making our way in the construction sector, knows someone who's gran who is our guest today, played uh, snooker more than 10 years ago, we'll say. I'm sure she'll tell us when, uh, as we get into it. And I think it's going to be quite a story. She seems like somewhat of a character after the last five minutes we've been speaking to her off camera. And that guest today is Mrs. Hilary Reid. Hilary, would you like to say hello? Hi, everybody. Hello. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to this chat, Hilary. I'm quite certain. Um, I just adore making a bit of noise. That's why Ed's running away. Don't worry, he's not running away from you. Hi. Uh, but just just for the listeners, Hillary, would you be able to give um, would you be able to give everyone a bit of background about you, even even before snooker became part of your life? What what was a young Hillary Reed wanting to do when she was younger? Well, the first time I came across snooker was when I was twelve, and I was on a very rainy week's holiday, and in a very posh hotel, and I thought I'd go to the games room being me and off I went and there was this gentleman playing on this massive table. I've never seen a snooker table before. <laughs> and um I sat down and watched him and he, he you know it was wonderful the way he could get the white ball to come back on itself and stun it and whatever. And um I was very, very quiet and you know I respected the fact that he was um, well, he was um, sort of, I, I should imagine, training himself up for a game. And he stopped playing and he looked at me and he said, Hi. I said, Hello. He said, I'm Fred Davis. And I said, How are you? Remember the second name, Davis? Well, is, is it in to do with, I'm going to, is it Stephen Davis? No, Davis no. was one of the top snooker players. Fred was his brother. Anyway, um, he asked if I'd like to have a go, and I said, oh, no, I said, I'll rip the clock or I'll do something wrong, because I knew that they had snooker tables in all the working men's clubs in Manchester, where I came from, and women just didn't go in them. And uh, he said, no, come on, I'll, let me just show you. And if you don't like, it's all right. And he showed me how to bridge my hands, how to hold the cue. Uh, he showed me how to um, hit the white in the middle, just the basics, learning. And then he showed me how to hit the white onto a red. And I thought, I'm hooped here. And I hit the white onto the red and I potted it. And you know, it was it was like getting the sixpence out of the Christmas pudding. It was brilliant. <laughs> and um, not that I ever got a six, never mind that. Anyway, um, I, I watched him play for a bit and he only just came into the hotel to practice. And I never saw him again. And I never played snooker again. Until would you like me to go on? Yo, this is brilliant. Keep it going. Yeah, fantastic. Again, until 1975. And unfortunately, my dad died rather suddenly. And I sort of got a fit of the depression. He's really one of my soulmates, but I can cope with it and I can live with it, you know. And my husband, who was alive then, said, no, we're not having this. It's not fair, Hillary. You've done all you can. You've looked after your mum and your sister. We'll go and play. We'll go up to this pub. And they had a pool table there. And I thought, oh, I'll have a go. Because I, I remembered what Alfred had showed me how to hold the cube. And um, 
I think my husband, I was really chuffed. And uh, you know, like on these pool tables, they have like, you put 10p down and you're on next. Well, there was yeah. loads of it. And uh, I played about 15 men and uh, I was still on after the 15th. I thought, well, I must be doing something right. Anyway, um, I got quite hooked on this and we went for a few weeks to this club and we were going in one night and the manager stopped Davey and myself and he said, look, nothing personal, but I don't want you to come here anymore because the takings <laughs> on the pool table have come down by two thirds because the <laughs> fellas don't like being beaten by a woman. And I thought, wow, what a shame, you know. So David was very annoyed about this. I said, no, I said, no, come on, think of something else. And then I remembered my dad had told me that one of his friends had bought this snooker club in Salford, Manchester, called Potter's Club. And... Um, Davey said, let's go down and see what's what there. So we did. And uh, Harry and Harry Lomas, who was a fellow who owned it, welcomed me into the place. And I said, I only play pool. But then I saw the big tables again. And I was hooped. And I started to play on those big tables. And I, I, I was pretty, you know, I mean... Really, snooker is potting the balls, obviously, to get the 147, which I never got. But I could get some damn good snookers, and that annoyed people. You know, it really put a, a twinkle in the game that they didn't want because they couldn't get the ball that they wanted to pot to win it, you know. And that's that was sort of how I used to play. Just to quickly anyway. interrupt you, Hilary, just a quick question. Why oh. why did you like snooker so much more than pool? Bigger table. Uh, there was more, you know, I watched the world, I watched some of the snooker on television and some of the, it was all fellas, obviously, then. And it was so interesting the way they played, the personalities they had. You know, like that fellow from Canada who always wore white when he played, and they called him the ice cream man. And uh, <laughs> Bill Werbenek and um, Cliff Thorburn, who was the grinder. Um, John Virgo, by the way, was round the bar at this place. It just won the amateur world championship, and he, he, he got this job at the club, which was really, really good. And John helped me out an awful lot with my snooker. Um, he encouraged me. Yeah. If like, we were playing a match together, I mean, I never beat him. But I say to him, why did you go for that and not that one? He said, well, what's on after that? What colour? You know, where will the game go after that? And I think, yeah. And he, he got me thinking between my ears. And my husband had also made me think that I was good and that I could win. Anyway, um, quite a few people came in, you know, professionals, semi-professionals. And... Um, he invited a woman to come across from Leeds called May Smith, nice lady. But she was kind of involved. I mean, you know, she was the number one in Leeds, but Manchester was going to show her what was about, all about Big Ed. I mean, I'd only been playing three months and she'd been playing, say, 20 years. Anyway, she came down to a club and... Um, I can remember that night, Willie, the late Willie Thorne was there. He was a good friend of John Virgo. And um, Alex Higgins came in later. I knew Alex quite well. 
and um, they were watching me on the match table playing this woman, and it was only best to five frames um, because they didn't know what sort of a match it was going to be, whether we were going to faff around or make a mess of things. So they all stood and watched. And, you know, people clapped me. People clapped me as well, which was right. She did play some really good snooker, but I beat her. And the only reason I beat her was, as I remembered, the title of this game, and that's snooker. Right? You can pass the ball, but I have won many a game because I can get people into snookers that they get frustrated and think, God, I only need that one, and I've won the match. You know, and then they make silly mistakes, so plus I score went up and I won. Anyway, I, I was glad that they invited this lady, but that particular night, there was also a reporter from one of Manchester's papers. I'm not quite sure. I've forgotten your name. Um, Ted Corb, as it was, and um, he, he was quite interested in watching me play. And he said, She's only been playing for about three months. And he said, Yeah, he says, My God, you know, and I don't mean that in disrespect to the God of my understanding, but he, he was absolutely amazed. And he started writing things about me. And um, I said, well, you don't put anything on paper until I've read it. <laughs> I didn't want to be made to look something that I wasn't. I just wanted to be Hillary Reid, who wants to play snooker. Anyway, I was invited to play in the first Ladies World Championships, and there was only 16 women invited. And that was uh, early 1976 in Middlesbrough. And the woman I played in the first round was called Maureen Bainton. And she'd been playing about 40 years. And <laughs> I'll be perfectly frank, they took photos and everything, interviewed you. And I, I've just lost me. I have, I have this um, way of coaching myself before I play a match, which I'm not telling even you about, so there. And, uh, <laughs> even even now, having not played for however long, we're not finding out your secrets. <laughs> and um, she beat me. I mean, I just didn't have the willpower in me. But I didn't get despondent. You know, went back to Manchester and I thought, I really need to do more match play. So I thought I'll join one of the league. So I applied to join the Berrien District Snooker League and um, they refused me entry because of my sexuality. And I thought racism and sexuality wasn't the forwards in those days. But I thought that's a load of rubbish. You know, I mean, if a woman can play snooker, why can't she play in the you know, in the competitions. So uh, I wrote them a letter, a very, a very nice letter, <laughs> and said, you know, that I appreciated what they were saying and that working men's clubs had had snooker rooms that had been for the working men's because life was hard in those days in relation to work. But all I wanted to do would play snooker in, you know, like a league and that I wouldn't dress stupid or, you know, do anything daft. I'd, I'd behave in a really good way should they be giving me this adequate chance. And I'm just somewhere along the line happened to mention that, you know, I knew a few people and um, they said, well, if you go and wait downstairs, we'll come and let you know. And um, 
they came down from the upstairs room and they said, Hillary, we've arranged that, yes, you can play snooker in the Berry and District Snooker League, but you can't play in any of the clubs that don't want ladies to play on the table. I said, that is fine by me. But I said, when they come to play at the club I was a member of in Radcliffe, if nobody will play me, I hope that'll make a rock, you know, a rocket. But I never saw that, you know, I mean, fellas, you're quite a nice lot, really. <laughs> the <laughs> Thank Surely because they wanted to beat me. And a few of them did. But let's just say, in 1976, when I started playing in the Berry Snooker League, you know, <coughs> there was 11 clubs that won't let me play in their rooms, snooker rooms, in the 76-77 season. The next season as I played in, there was only one club that won't let me play in their room. So were you, Hillary? Wanted, wanted to beat me on their table. Go on, Wallace. I assume that that comes with quite a bit of pride on, on their own table, but were you... There was obviously other people competing in the, in the World's Women's uh, Championships, but in... The area of Manchester, I guess, shall we say, were you one of the very few that was was competing in like these leagues that you're talking about? I was the only lady. You were yeah. the only. And, and how long? How long did it take for? No, no other woman joined until about three or four years later when another one came in. But the first year that I played, um. Berry and District Snooker League decided to have an individual competition for like the A, B, C and D, you know, sections of the league. And they had trophies for the A, B and C, but they didn't for the D. So I said to my husband, Dave, I said, look, it's good of them really to let me play, but don't tell them I've said that. So if <laughs> it... We're going to suss out trophies, and if there's one that we can afford, because I mean, I've, I've got two children, and they're quite young, and you know, house mortgage and blah blah blah. Uh, I said, but if there's one that we can afford, shall we buy it and donate it? And that's what we did. Right. But the last thing was, I was entering into this from my team in the D section and I won it. <laughs> I won every match 2-0. I won the final. That, that's good. I won the final 2-0. I never lost a frame. Am I talking too long now? If you no, want no. to ask me something... You're looking as though I'm doing too much. I don't I, want yeah, to... I'm enjoying it. I just don't understand snooker. I'm just pretending I know what you're talking about. I, I, absolutely <laughs> I don't know if you can see on the wall behind me, but there's pictures. And there's pictures of me with all the trophies I won. And that was in one year. And uh, one of them I was very proud of. I, I was the beaten finalist in a... Harry Wilde competition, there was players from all A, B, C and D teams entered it and uh, I got to the finals and <laughs> it was two all, the best of five two all and I thought I can snooker this bloke on this ground, he'll miss it, I'll get round blue, pink and black, no problem, Bob. And sad me if he didn't go across the table, hit the ground and bought it. And he was smack on the blue and, he, you know, he won it. Well, these things happen. 
first I found with him, and I said, well done, and jolly good, and he looked at me as much to say, well, I'm very pleased I've won, but in some ways I don't know if I wanted to have won, you know, because I, I had shown respect for the men in the league, you know, I, I understood why initially they didn't want me to play. And I think um, I think he realised that, you know, I was saying to him, you enjoy your victory, you deserved it. And, uh, you know, I played other competitions and things. I won a lot of things. They didn't have any world championships for women, because the fellows who were on the one, the first one, a lot of the women didn't like the way he'd done it. Right. And um, they weren't willing to play, you know, so that was the end of that. But um, it was competitions. I enjoyed them. And um, I'm glad that I've been part of them. I'll have to just shut up for a couple of seconds. There was something I wanted to tell you, and it's just slipped my mind, so I might need just to think. Well, you, you, you asked me a question. So um, I watch a very little bit of snooker now, like when the World Championships are on the TV. Uh, and I'll be honest, I've never seen any women's in the World Championships. I don't know... If you watch much uh, snooker I now, watch, yes. yeah. yeah. So what? Like, what? I watch the snooker, but women have entered, but haven't made it. Right. Yeah. Perhaps the difference. Perhaps that's the difference between male and female. I mean, I'm talking about professional women. Sounds good, that doesn't it? Professional women. You know, professional it's good snooker. That position, though. Yeah. You know, um, they haven't made it to a position where it was televised. But yeah. I watch the telly. The British Open's on at the moment, but I'm not enjoying it, Eddie, because I love the snooker, and I can still read what side they put on the white and what they were going to do and everything. But... They're like zombies, the women players. They've all got to wear black. You know, and I've liked the people that were sponsoring them. The names stuck on a certain part of the shirt. And I think personality has, has gone down greatly in relation to snooker. You know, I, I don't know. Perhaps I'm speaking out of turn here. I don't want to hurt anybody. But that's the way I see it at the moment. I watched the snooker tonight, but after an hour, I'll have had enough. Because I get to the stage where I see these people playing, and to me, they look like zombies. You know, there's... I don't know, there's no personality skill goes into the game. It's, it's just something that... Unless you play snooker, I, I, I can't say any more than that, sorry. Why don't you think <laughs> there's more personality? Why why do you think they've went down the route of, of all wearing black? Why do you think there's a future in snooker where people will wear what they want and you'll have your flamboyant types and you'll have people that can sort of almost entertain away from the snooker? Do you see... Do you see that happen, Hillary, where it's it's not just you must wear this uniform? Well, they seem to have gone down to people having to wear uniforms. Stephen Hendry, Steve Davis, Jimmy White and Ronnie O'Sullivan was coming in then. You know, I mean, they have, they have personalities and it was interesting to watch. But beforehand, it was like Willie Thorne, Ron Virgo. Cliff Thorburn, and of course, the one and only Alex Higgins, who he liked me a lot when we were at Pontins for uh, the competitions. Uh, 
I shouldn't mention names, should I? You'll have to cut that out. It was at Press Latin, and um, the women had their own little match there, and I won the match two years on the top. Three years, sorry. And I got a free holiday for my husband, myself, and my two kids. So that wasn't And that's what I want. I have remembered what I wanted to tell you. So I thought you might be interested in that. You know, I never ever, I've only ever came across one person in the whole time that I played that was absolutely horrible. And I, perhaps I shouldn't be saying this, but I will. I, but I won't mention his name. But it was in a local club. And unfortunately, my husband had been taken quite poorly. He'd been a policeman and he'd been injured. And uh, his injury had cropped up again and it, it wasn't very good. But I beat this fella. And he calmly stood up in the club and said, yes, I'll have to beat me because... Next week, I'm going round to the house to make to have sex with her. Oh my god, it was something that I also was going with. Well, it took me cute, and if someone to stop me, I would have absolutely lampooned him. And you know, I was so angry. How dare he that David who wasn't there to defend himself? How dare he! Oh, I couldn't agree more with you. Yeah, absolutely. That's horrible. It's not yeah, nice. Yeah, it, it wasn't nice. I love snooker. It's it's a game that is it's so interesting. I felt it was more interesting when it was the Alex Higgins, Willie Thorne, John Virgo, and Cliff Thorburn. Harry Mons from South Africa, Eddie Charlton was the biggest player in snooker, but he he gave something to it, you know. It it lived and you're yawning. Uh, <laughs> I must be boring him, Eddie. And then um the next sort of uh, block was like from Steve Davis onward to Ronnie O'Sullivan. Now as I say, I've watched quite a bit of snooker, and the only way I feel that I personality and give something back to the audience, apart from the good snooker shots, is Ronnie O'Sullivan. He's seen life hard. 100%. He wants yeah. to share life with the people in the audience that it's good. And no matter what happens to you, you can always get through it. Yeah. I did. My dream was complete. Yeah. Round yeah. about 82, I sort of, I don't know what it is, something cropped up. I like to play snooker, but I wasn't as um, competitive. And I thought, well, you know, you'll have to just do a bit of thinking here, Hills. And um, I decided to go back to college. <laughs> and I did welfare rights and the law. I was a policewoman, and I met that's where I met my husband in the police force. And uh, I got that course, and I got a di the diploma in social work, and I work with young people. But I'm not here to talk about my work, I'm here to talk about snooker. You know, I mean, why can't women play? I just can't understand why some of the women that I knew were like, there was a girl from Canada called Natalie, and there was one from, um, I'm talking about the 70s era, called Mandy, and they were real good players. I mean, I was glad I, I haven't got them in my house at all. And, uh, you know, I mean, they would have been great in a snooker league, but because of the dealings of the person who ran the women's world snooker, and I'm not doing him down, but it was a bit, 
not right the way he did things. Right. It's all money. All money. Um, which is obvious. I mean, you don't go out in the morning to, you know, say here's and wages. You take it, do you? You know, I mean, we all like money. But it was just the way he was going about things. And I don't know. I mean, Ted Corbett, this newspaper man I told you about, um, I spoke to him quite a few times. And not only was he me like my personal advisor, <laughs> he, he was a very, very good friend who, you know, you meet somebody and you can talk to them, whether they're male or female. And um, we used to have long discussions about matches and things like that. Well, I was I was actually going to ask you something you mentioned right at the start, uh, Hillary. That at some point you've been on TV, but before I ask you about that, oh, you've yes, mentioned that's what I wanted to tell you. I Perfect. Was on TV. Go for it. I was, you tell on TV. I was on Bowman, and I was asked to be the hands for the fellow that played Bowman and his sidekick. And I was a hands for the woman first, and I had some all my nails painted and I hated okay. nails on it. And all it was, I got to stun the white on the blue spot and put the blue easy peasy. But the shot that they gave me for Bowman, it was absolutely awful. I mean, Steve Davis specialised in shots that were near to, you know, like the cousin's long shots. Yeah. He just found it difficult. It took me about 10 goals before I got the blooming red. <laughs> and then I did the director and hooray! And uh, <laughs> the television man went, no, no, boo, why? Because you put your hands over the screen and you spoiled it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> carry on. The, the you've mentioned you mentioned Alex Higgins a fair bit throughout a yeah, so it's called well that's exactly what I was going to ask you could you could you tell us a bit about him? Uh, Quite a famous name, obviously, and I'm sure sure it'd be interesting to hear about him. Alex Higgins had a few sisters. I don't know whether it was three or four. It was a long time ago, you know. And I've, I have to really think about them. Your memory's amazing. Yeah. Dates, numbers, everything's very impressive. And if his sisters were around, he was a, what a good boy. <laughs> I remember going to watch him playing in the World Championship. He played Ray Reardon in the finals at a place called Bellevue in Manchester. I think that was the last time they played the World Championships there before they went to the Crucible. And I don't know if I'm right or not, but um, it doesn't matter. Uh, I remember that Ray Reardon was like one who snookered a lot. And uh, I could see that Alice was getting real head up about it. And he saw me and he, he looked at me and he came across and I said, don't speak to me because they'll think I'm coaching you. But go and have a go to the loo. That's all I said. Off he went to the toilet. You know, and he had a chance to think. Came back. Great. Played his snooker. Played well. Got out of the snooker so easy that you'd... It, you know, it was absolutely amazing. He was an amazing man. He was, you know, like George Best. He was, yes. he was just an individual in his own right. And the only thing that was Alex's danger was alcohol. I mean, he came, I think it was the crucible he came into, and he must have wanted to go to the toilet. So rather than go downstairs to the toilet, see weed in one of the, <laughs> in one of the. I'm sorry, I'm going to laugh, but I shouldn't. He weed no, it's funny. It's a good one. You know, <laughs> I mean, he got behind the plant before he weed, but a woman got water down the skirt, and she wasn't exactly very <laughs> drilled about it. 
And um, I, I, I thought a lot about Alex. He, you know, he, he'd never really known a dad. I think his dad had died when he was quite young. I think his dad might have been killed in the Second World War, but don't quote me. I could yeah. be wrong. Um, but he was a loving man. You know, I mean, the woman he married, and I can't remember her name, they had a little girl together, and I met that child, and you couldn't... I, I can't tell you what a wonderful little girl she was. She was polite, she was naughty, she was good, she was thoughtful. You know, I mean, she she was just normal and all Alex did was make sure that his wife was well kept when he wasn't there and looked after well because you know when you when you filmed or when when you get known uh your identity just goes yeah you know people think they can just come up to you and oh, oh, oh you know I mean, I was watching the match at Bellevue and uh, the World Championship, and I nature took its call at half time. So I got my handbag like this, and I got up, and this little boy was stood here, and I said, "Oh, hello, love. And what? Can I help you?" And he said, "Would you sign me book?" Embassy World Championship had, had this book, which I've got in the other room. And it, it's like a magazine, you know, and it's had pictures of all the women players in it right. as well. It was really, you know, it really put together well. I said, of course, what's your name? Jessica Fletcher, I'm now. I'm diagnosed as murder. And I wrote his name and I put love, Hillary Reid. Um, cue, may may your cueing go well. I, I saw a cryptic thing like that, and I thought, well, go to the room and I looked. You know, I claimed 50p off every person that was in that queue. I could have given about £40. Yeah, it, it just seemed to stretch because yeah. they knew I was the only woman there who was in that book, and if they got my signature. Worth a fortune. What's the bit of money then? What's the bit of money? Whatever I have said to you, Wallace, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's come straight from the heart. In my life, no way do I want to hurt anybody. But no way. My family. You know, so what I said about that chap at the snooker clue that yeah. he, he was actually on the committee and he was banned from the club for six months. And I Wait, thought, well, what are they going to do with me? I really be cure at him. So I thought, sit down, have a good think, which I did. And I wrote them a letter and I apologised for my calmed up, but I, I explained the situation as a whole. But I said, you know, it should never have happened in in, in your premises. And uh, they wrote back and sent me a box of chocolates and said, you're welcome here anytime, Hillary. You're great. Good. Uh, I can't really think of much more, but, you well, know... To remember all this has been a miracle. And if you <laughs> knew the time that I've been in my bedroom lying on my bed, because I'm supposed to lie flat down because I have osteoporosis and osteoarthritis and blah, blah, blah. But, um, you know, I've thought about my snooker times and things that happened in it. And, you know, it's given me so much happiness. I wasn't well, very that... when I found out he'd arranged it by someone. And then I thought, no, come on. 
let's, you know, let's give it a shot. And I'm really glad that I've had you two nice people to talk to. And I hope you are nice. No, we're, we're actually not nice. No, no, no <laughs> we're not. I'm just not nice to him, that, to be fair, that's all. Uh, we all talk about each other behind our backs, don't we? Go on, that's Conscious, um, we don't want to have you sitting up too long if it's if it's not too comfortable. No, no, I can't sit up. The, these chairs are purpose built for Hillary Reid. You know, I, mean, uh, I can get me, excuse my wording, but I can get me bum into the back and my spine straight. Brilliant. That's great, because at least I won't get a whole back shoulder like the Queen had, because she had osteoporosis. And that's why she had a hump on her shoulder. Yeah, yeah. Didn't know that. Yeah. She yeah. never had the time to sit straight, did she? You know, I mean, we call the royal family, and yes, some of them are a waste of space, but a lot of them are doing a lot of good for this country. And that's just me speaking. My views are my views. Yours are yours. I'll respect them. That's okay. No, hundred percent. No, here you've you've um, I'm grateful to so many people when I was playing snooker like John Virgo, who explained why he did certain shots and he showed me how to use the rest properly. And there was another fella called uh, Ron, Ronnie Buckley, and I called him Old Blue Eyes. He was a good player. And uh, I called him Old Blue House because we both like Frank Sinatra. And I said, oh, and he always was fussing in the blues, so he was Old Blue Eyes. And I would like to thank another person, and his name's on Facebook, I think he's called Morris Ryder. And he contacts me, you know, sends me emails and things. And when he played at Radcliffe, he played for the A-Sages. He was good, but I've beaten him too, so to that. But the way he cued and everything, I thought, ooh, that's great. That's, <laughs> you know, that's like having fruit cocktail and getting all the cherries. It was wonderful. <laughs> oh, hello, it's a... It's a- it's a pleasure listening to such a... <laughs> No, I know. You've got a great way of explaining everything. It's, it's really cool to, to look at snooker, a game that we've clearly admitted that we really don't know much about. Maybe watch the crucible here and there. But to actually sort of look at it on a... a how it has a sort of almost emotional attachment and how you got so engrossed in it and you, you, you analyse it so interestingly, yeah, you know, the, 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 the way you talk about... I, I, I didn't go over the top. No, I yeah, I've loved it. I've really, really enjoyed I speaking to you. I'm one of these that have to, I have to have a pause from Orson about what I said. But well, I tell you what, we'll... after this. We'll, uh, any... we'll have a wee post-mortem in a minute. I'll just do a quick outro for the listeners uh, and we can have a wee chat off camera. Um, but there's there's one question to ask I'm you. Fine. Go on, ask me. So basically what we do with this podcast is whenever we have a guest on, and I'm going to ask you this as well, we ask them to ask a question to our next guest. They don't know who that guest is, but our last person asked the question, if you could change anything, what would it be? So any decisions you've made in life, is there anything you've got that you regret doing and you would have changed slightly? Mm. I think you've made some pretty good decisions. No, I'm quite happy the way everything is and what I've done. It will really nice. be to help me grandson out who doesn't enjoy the best of health, you know. And I just wish he it could improve, but I'm not saying anymore because he doesn't like me talking about it. That's fine. Uh, yeah. So, you know. But that is a good question because it's open. Yeah, you yeah. know, there's nothing really that I change in my life. 
I can't change what happened yesterday because it was yesterday. So it's done. Yeah, exactly. I'm only living today and I live with the God of my understanding and he might not the face might not like my, the God of my understanding but he makes me very very happy and wanted. Yeah, you can't ask amazing. for more than that. That's, that's, an, answer. that's an amazing mindset to have that just what's happened's happened and you've just got to improve what you can in the future. So could you give us a question for our next guest uh, who I'll give you a wee hint has ran in the Olympics? Well, Sam, we have an email next to someone who ran in the Olympics. Yeah, you've been to the World Championships as a singer. Right. That's the question. Sorry, I spoke over you there, Hillary. Could you say it again? How did they feel when they got the medal? No, they they just they they ran they ran in the Olympics. Um, well, even when they get called but, up to yeah, the when Olympics. when they ran in the Olympics, yeah, I'll yeah. ask that question. Look yeah, forward to that because you see, I look, I was watching the Olympics. I mean, we've got to remember that these girls, boys, turn into young men, young women, obviously, and they've been doing it. They've given so much to this country. And perhaps if miss out on things that children of their age should have been part of because they've had to get up to go swimming at four in the morning or, you know, they've got to go and run 15 or 50 times around the track. You know what I mean? It's I know true. what it's like practicing. I practice every day with my snooker for two hours. Yeah. I put in, you know... Um, the practice and I'd just like to know how, how they really feel yeah if they were in the Olympics how did they feel when they saw someone get a medal yeah we will ask Rose that so if you are if you're watching the Olympics um, when's the next one 2024 yeah, next year. 24, yeah, so it is, well. Is it? Jesus. So if you're watching the Olympics, uh, Hillary, look next out for Rose year. Davis. Rose Davis, that's the, the name to look out for. That's who we're interviewing next. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll look out for her. And, um I like watching fencing and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. archery. I used, to, uh, I used to do archery. Really quite I played snooker and I had my own um, bow and it was a black widow and uh, I bought it for £40. That was a fortune. What do you mean? <laughs> Two weeks' wages. That's and uh, I remember going to the club with it and, I, you know, I, whether it was because I got a good bow, I don't know, but I... I was far better at archery then. And, you know, we used to play at shooting at clouds and things like that. And I've had a lot of enjoyment in my life. I can't complain. And if tomorrow is my last day on this earth, well, that's fine. It's such a refreshing attitude to hear. Yeah, like, you know, awesome. positivity yeah. wouldn't change anything. The only thing you consider changing was to better someone else's life. Like, it's just, it's refreshing yeah, to hear. Yeah. Really refreshing to that, hear. And that's, that's what I think is missing in these people like Putin and, uh, yeah. you know, and that lot. There's a fight in Ukraine and that lot. Why don't I just think? Of the mums and dads of the soldiers who were killed. Yeah. You ever watch a program on the television called Mass? No, I haven't actually. Yeah. No. It's um, about the oh mobile army surgical hospital, and it was the units that used to be near to where they, you know, 
they were fighting. Yeah. And I don't know that it gets to me every time this program because I think when somebody dies, which is inevitable in war, they really hurt. And even yeah. though it matters in this film, you can see that they genuinely mean it. And stop biting your nails. Hit it. God. Bad time. Oh, sorry, Hillary. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> Hillary. <laughs> sorry. See, I've, I've said something wrong. Is there any other questions you would like me to talk about, or? No, I think I think we've covered everything really well. Yeah, it was really yeah, good and really I do appreciate your time. Have I done all right for you? It's yeah, been amazing. perfect. Amazing. I hope I hope you've enjoyed I, your time. Honestly, you're not giving me lip service. I've done all right for you. No, generally, it's been really, Absolutely. really good. Yeah, really good. Really enjoyed it, and I hope I hope you've enjoyed your time as well. Um, I've enjoyed it. It's been far better than what I thought. Good. Yes, you know, cat and uh, biscuits and all sorts, and you can always pop in and have a cup of tea or even a whiskey. But you know, whiskey would, would go down very well. This man's very partial to that. Oh, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but no, thank you very much. For those of you listening to the episode, that's been number one. Thank 100. you very much for including me in your program. No, and thank you. Do you do it full time in this? Uh, no, not full time. Um, I'm a lecturer. Ed's a farmer, uh, but we do it do it on the side. Uh, but yeah, for those listening to the episode, thank you so much. Um, we'll see you for episode one four eight. That was Hilary Reed, a really inspiring story, and just a really positive story from start to finish, and a really nice lady yeah, to speak to. Let past. I'll show you my scrapbook of all my cuttings from Ted Corvis and you know the Embassy World Championship book I've got. Amazing. I'd love that. You might Absolutely. like that. That'd be great fun. Yeah, okay, Wallace. Okay, Eddie. Yeah. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, spot yeah, on. that's right. Yeah, spot on. Oh, I'm right. <laughs> I really enjoyed your company and thank you for being, I don't know, kind. Oh, yeah, that, no problem. That helped me a lot. Good. Well, that's lovely to hear. It's that's been an absolute amazing, pleasure. Yeah.